Welcome to Behind the Sport, and this is episode number 45. Joining us is young West Australian Alex Rullo, former supercars driver, Super 2, Super 3, TCR, uh, and throw in an XL or two for good measure. How are you doing today, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us on. Look, um, always great to catch up, obviously, with the local West Aussies and... Um, to, look, I'll be honest. Until um, like I looked at you know, you've just come off a back-to-back um, Targa West wins down in Albany for the sprint. And to be honest, until I had a look into you know, because I've obviously heard your name, but had a look and I'm like, holy crap, this guy's actually done supercars and TCRs and um, another West Australian talent that just sort of, has, I guess, flown under the radar as such when you compared to the amount of media, you know, like someone like Daniel Ricciardo gets or, um, you know, at the moment, like the, the Australians that are over in Formula 2 and everything at the moment, like Pierce Story. Uh, I always say something wrong, but, you know, that dude, Oscar, yeah. Oscar P. Um, <laughs> yep, Gastry. Um, Callan Williams uh, and, of course, um, young, young, young Doohan. Um, so, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, the amount of talent in Western Australia that's just, just hiding away in garages is amazing. And you're only 21 years old. Yeah, got to uh, keep reminding myself that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And you, yeah, like you're, and you started, um, I guess, in terms of the, the national stuff, I think, what, age 14? Yep. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Insane. That was sort of the plan just to get straight into it. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. So, what got you into motorsport? Um, yeah. So, started in go karts, like most of the other people in, in circuit racing. So, uh, I think I was 10 years old nine years old maybe, um, went to Wandawi, the go-kart track there, Hurricane Go-Kart Club, yep. um, watched my godfather race and I was like, well, need to get out there. I was like, this looks way too fun. So, um, yeah, convinced dad to uh, hire a cart for the uh, the next event and, uh, yeah, I was out there and uh, picked my race number, stuck with it the whole way through and still use the same number today and, um haven't really looked back since so yeah that's how i got started in it and just did you know the local the local club days and and all that and then um got a bit better moved up the classes started doing some national kart racing and then um i was just getting good at karts probably my last year i'd say i was you know up there and in the mix and then um yeah it was at uh 14 um that's when you can get your cams license so i thought well we want to look at racing cars why not go into it straight away and no one was really doing that at the time. Um, yeah. Especially in a, in a supercar. Um, so yeah, I started <laughs> off in the Hyundai XLs and um, that was the first year of the championship actually. So um, Mike Nan actually helped steer us into that and he helped put the XL series together um, back then. And um, yeah, a bunch of the boys I used to race with in carts, we all sort of moved up together um, and yeah, started – banging doors and the XLs at Wanneroo, which is great fun. So, um, yeah. yeah, did that and, um, yeah, had an absolute ball, to be honest. I, I missed the XLs. I need to get back in one. <laughs> the, um, I think, yeah, the XLs would probably love to have you back in there. Um, XL Nationals, they could, no, that's, no, they were supposed to be here last year, but it didn't happen. Um, your first outing in a go-kart, how'd you go? I can't remember to be honest. Would have been up the back somewhere. 
yeah. probably a few spin outs. Uh, yeah, I was uh, definitely no head and center at the gates. Okay. <laughs> um, the the XLs, now you've just mentioned, yeah, you'd love to get back into one of them. What, what do you find so special about the XLs that would make you want to go back to them? Just awesome racing. Um, I mean, I'm not uh, not following it too close these days. I know um, some of the young blokes that race in it, but um, yeah, back then just like racing with your mates and banging doors and the racing was just awesome and so close. So uh, that's what was so good about that. And it caught me, it taught me um, really good um, like car control and things like that, especially in the front wheel drive, you know, they move around a bit at Wanneroo and you get the lift off oversteer and changing gears and rev matching and it's all all new coming out of go-karts where you just sort of slam on the brakes, send it in the corner and gas it out. So, um, (laughs) yeah, big, big learning curve and I think it was an awesome place to start. Um, Before I jumped into that, I did do a little bit on dirt in a XL, just a unregistered $500 XL that we got just to um, get my skills up before that. So, um, yeah, did a little, little bit of... Gravel stuff with that. Um, I think what are they called? Uh, not a rally. Kana Motor Kana. Yeah, did a, a couple of them in the gravel. Um, Alistair McCray gave me a few little tips, so that was cool. Took me for a, a spin yep. in one of the Evos. So uh, yeah, learnt a lot of car control through doing that as well in the gravel before before actually stepping into the the circuit stuff. In um, in carts. Uh, yeah, it's the what people that have come up, I guess, are, yeah, around the same with you. Um, you got the Kostekis and um, Nick Medic. Um, yeah, we're both in carts, yeah, we're with carts with mm. you, um, from my understanding. Um, and yeah, they those guys, I guess, went through Excels as well. Do you think it was a bit of a good was that a good stepping stone compared to, I guess, going into open wheelers, or do you think it was? Um- I think it was. Um, it, it depends where you want to end up. Um, you know, we always thought, well, if you want to go down the supercars path and look at that, why would you be racing an open wheeler if you're, if you're going to be in a big heavy car that's moving around and, you know, they're c- completely different cars. Um, I, I did do I did a, a race meeting in a Formula V as well. Um, I was doing a couple of different series just to get all the um, – points off my license so I could get off my P plates. So uh, it was a Suzuki Swift over East, which was a bit of fun. That was a good series as well, actually, um, at Morgan Morgan Park. Great track. Yep. Um, so, yeah, the um, I, I think it was the right path. But, yeah, like I said, it depends what you want to do. If you want to go have a crack at F1, um, race as many open wheelers as you can, I think, and you see the guys doing the TRS series and all things like that and obviously going over to Europe and racing Formula 4 and, and things of that nature. Your uh, first race in an XL, I believe that was on your 14th birthday. I think so. Something like that. Yeah, I think it was pretty close. And uh, I believe you won that race. I did. I did. In uh, practice, actually, it's a funny story. <laughs> and probably not most people know this. I was um, coming up the left-hander and then – through the right at Wanneroo and um, managed to slip it into second instead of fourth. <laughs> and um, yeah, absolutely limited bashed the poor XL and uh, went rods out <laughs> at turn six. So uh, yeah, wow. that was a uh, engine change that night. And um, I think I think it was just practice. I can't remember if I missed qualifying or not. Um, 
yeah, I think that was maybe the only qualifying that I didn't poll it. Um, but yeah, I think we came through in the race and yeah, won it. So, um, no, it was, it was good fun, but yeah, <laughs> just silly me. First, like, first race meeting in a car with rods <laughs> out in <an> XL. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen rods out in an XL. Yeah, quite, so, quite a fire too, um, which is fun. Yeah, well, okay. Yep. I only got like, four laps in, so. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's, um, that's definitely something pretty cool to have your name against Rod's out first, right? First outing in an XL. the highlight of my career, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no one else has done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they tend to end up on their roof and on their side. Well, I haven't and done that. All sorts of other things, but um, yeah, I've, I can't say in the last few years I've seen, a, seen an XL with Rod's out, yeah. so... Yeah. Not in spectacular fashion, anyway. For the uh, the young players out there, fourth, not second, through the uh, fourth, through not the king. second. <laughs> right. Take an extra half a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, these days, I obviously we've seen the Excel. I've seen the Excels. Yeah, a lot of um, help from other drivers and. Um, yeah, even though they, I guess Excel is getting pretty serious. Like the liveries are getting you know, supercar esque, and um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Obviously, they're trying to shave off all the milliseconds where they can. Um, but back then, was it still the same with everyone sort of jumping in to help you guys out with an engine change? Uh, yeah, it was all pretty new, and yeah, like I said, we all came up together from carts. So yeah, Midic, Steckies. Um, Cam Nash, Tom Shoe, all those guys that raced against in carts. We all went in it together. And, yeah, it was just like us and all our dads out there just having fun. We all pitted together. And, yeah, it was the same sort of vibe. I think the cars are the, – well, the regulations in the cars are a bit different now. But, um, yeah, it seems like it's the, the same sort of vibe, which is good. Yeah, they've um, standardised like Super Shocks yeah. and – other things they've put regulations on and um because there was you know second second and a half or so difference between those with super shocks and those without yeah. so yeah. it's um definitely brought about some very very close racing so far this yeah. year um i mean it was pretty close as it was but you know still like two packs it was the the haves and have nots yeah. But, um yeah um when you did go from carts and into the excels what was the biggest thing that you struggled struggled with biggest thing i struggled with um probably just getting used to the the weight of what you're throwing around you're going from yeah about 100 kilos probably not even that from when i was 13 14 to um yeah a lot more in an excel so um yeah just getting used to the the weight you're throwing around they're not nowhere near as nimble as a go-kart obviously and um suspension is obviously the the biggest thing so um just getting used to that and driving a lot smoother i'd say you can get away with being really aggressive in a go-kart um and then going into the car obviously yeah you got all that weight transferring uh so you can't be rough with that otherwise you get lockups and things like that and you put yourself in the sand trap pretty quick if if you try just go into turn seven and slam the brakes on so um yeah just learning about that brake modulation things like that that yeah doesn't really come about in a go-kart okay after the uh excels where did you head to next so yeah we did uh as many races like as i could um to get off the p plates on my cams license um and then i think 
we did that so we could race the Wanneroo 300 that year. So um, old man had an old supercar at the time. And, um, yeah, he's he was probably more excited than me. He's like, oh, yeah, have a crack, see how you go. Um, which, yeah, was, you know, awesome opportunity um, that, you know, very lucky to have. Um, so, yeah, hopped in and um, had a bit of guidance from uh, Jack LeBrock. We did pretty well on the weekend, actually, at Tasmania. Um, who Dad um, knew because uh, I think he sponsored him in Dunlop Series or something like that. Um, so yeah, gave his hand, and I think we did two days at Wanneroo testing and you know, going through it, part throttle, and I think <laughs> we had the shift cut set to like four and a half thousand RPM or something like that because I was just absolutely shitting my dax <laughs> coming out of an XL into yeah 600 horsepower or whatever it was running at the time so um yeah I think it might have been to stop you throwing rods in that one <laughs> well <it> was <laughs> sequential thankfully so uh, it would have been a bit of an effort for me to uh push the gear stick the wrong way <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, – I was very slow, very slow. And uh, I think a ducky beside me as well. Uh, oh, good so, uh, He had yeah. a steer actually. So I uh, couldn't wipe the smile off his face. Pretty cool. I think ducky went faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, just getting getting to grips with it and, you know, that sort of car coming out of an XL, yeah. It's just a power is the biggest thing. So um, just getting laps and um, – Trying to remember all this stuff. It's so long ago now, and uh, I don't have the best memory. But uh, yeah, then we did the Wanneroo three hundred. Um, I believe we won it that year. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but anyway, I had a I had a bowl either way. I think uh, yeah, I can't remember if we won it or not. Maybe not. There was one year we had an issue, and one year we won it. I believe. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was my intro into, you know, a supercar and stepping up into that. Um, and then, yeah, we sort of set our sights on doing the Kumo series the next year. and um, Because that's uh, what, what they call Super 3 now, I yeah, believe. Yeah, so it was called Kumo yep. series at the time, now Super 3. Um, so, yeah, I think my old man had done a, a round or two in that at, at Phillip Island or something like that and, um, he'd already had that relationship with Matt White. Um, cool. So, yeah, managed to organise a drive with them for the for the following year. And, um, yeah, we were off to uh, Sandown the next year. And, um, yeah, it was uh, – got thrown in the deep end, <laughs> to say the least. Um, it was a bit of a wake-up call. I think maybe Jack Perkins was maybe racing that first round. I think he passed me at like second last corner at Sandown. I was like, holy shit, man. It was Jack Perkins. I'm just like, what are these curb things? Like still getting used to them and you don't really use them at Wanneroo. So um, it comes like flying over the curb and I'm like, oh shit. But um, yeah, just putted around, got comfortable. And um, yeah, I think the next round was Winton and um, managed to win my first race. Uh, last day of being 14. And yeah, right. So, um, yeah, that was pretty. Started out with a win and ended with a win. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that was, it was pretty cool. Um, I battled with Liam McAdam that whole year. I think he's racing TCR 
at the moment. So uh, battled it out with him the whole year, and he ended up getting me for the championship. But uh, yeah, hustling it out. So uh, no, it was good fun. It was a good year, and um, I think it was a good step in terms of you know, fourteen years old in a supercar. If you want to race supercars, getting as much experience in a supercar is probably the best thing. And um, yeah, back then it was me and Kostecki. Uh, you know, racing it at 14, 15 and no one that young had really done anything like that before. And everyone, you know, everyone was like, what the hell are these kids doing? And, you know, yeah. the old mans are just chucking them in the deep end. <laughs> like no one really, I think everyone was just a bit confused. Like, what are you doing? Um, yeah. But yeah, we're obviously serious and there to race and there to be professionals. So um, that was always the goal, just learn as much as possible. And um yeah, that's what we did that year and the, the following couple of years. So basically just moved the way up the ladder and we ended up going Super 3, Super 2 to the main game. So stepped on, up one each year, which um, came a lot quicker than I think anyone thought it would. Um, yeah. But, yeah, those were just the opportunities that sort of came about and I guess we can get into that and, you know, how that all, all happened. But, uh, yeah, Racing supercars, you know, if you're if you're in one, you know what it's like. You, the more laps you do, the more comfortable you get. And um, you know, guys like SVG, they say, you know, the more laps you can do in any car, the the more you know, testing yourself, building that muscle memory, getting your brain in that zone. So, um, yeah, I think it was it was good. Definitely gave me a leap ahead in terms of when I stepped up and. Yep. four or five years younger than other guys and, you know, sort of at the same pace as them and the same level of understanding. You mentioned uh, getting a little bit um, starstruck with Perkins overtaking yeah. you. Did you have to sort of stop yourself a couple of times from going, you know, oh, my God, it's such and such, and then going, oh, hang on, actually, I'm racing him. I've got to yeah. – I can't stop, um, stop it in more. There many more moments <laughs> to come after that, but that was sort of the first one. Uh, you know, it was my first proper – besides the one or 300, it's my first proper – a race meeting in a, a supercar series, I guess, being Super 3 or yeah. Kumo at the time. So, um, yeah, it was uh, – he just happened to be filling in for one of the Eggleston cars that weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit starstruck. And then, um, yeah, moving up in the next couple of years, it was the same thing. And, yeah, you're racing the big-name guys. And uh, I think probably the most memorable starstruck experience was probably – there was a practice session at Perth. Um and I was tussling with with Wink Up, and I don't know they, they were trying yeah. something in his car, and it's a bit all over the place. And he was backing it in at turn six, and like I fired it up the inside of him and roughed him up <laughs> coming out. <laughs> and um, yeah, we we didn't have the fastest car that year, but I was like, oh, Wink Up's looking pretty average, so have a crack. Great enough to put it on TV, and then uh, managed to put it in the sand the next corner. So uh, I looked real good there, but um, no, nah, it was it was pretty funny, and. Um, yeah, there's a few of those moments in practice and stuff where you get to follow those guys and try to learn as much as possible off them. Did you find being the young young guys coming up through that you maybe got a bit bit rougher treatment with, you know, with the, from the other drivers? Oh, 100%. There was definitely probably most of them thought I shouldn't have been there. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I remember the, uh, the first race. Who was that? I think it was Rick Kelly maybe at Clipsal. I think I got out of the way of him and then he swerved towards me or something for like no reason. <laughs> and yeah. um, I ended up driving for him 
the next year for their team, uh, co-driving for them. So, uh, yeah, there's a few like instances like that. You know, you get roughed up and I think Brock Feeney's copping it a bit at the moment, you know. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think whenever you step into the main game, you know, it runs, you know, going to put you in your place. I've even seeing it locally at the moment. Um, Chase Hoy, young uh, driver in the saloon series, and he's um, he's stepped up into the pro class of the saloons this year in a VT Commodore. He stepped up last year, but they had some issues with the car, so he didn't really go racing. And uh, when he did go racing a couple of times, he sort of showed that he had really good pace to put it into the top four um, when you're looking at people like Grant Johnson, um, Brock Bowley and Rick Gill and a few of the other names up in that that group to be hitting the top fours yep. pretty damn good. Um, and, yeah, this this first round this year, uh, a couple of drivers got stuck into him and he's got paint all down the side of his car from the other cars yep. and um, a few of them got upset because – they thought that he was dirty. He's going, oh, they're dirty racing. Yeah, the, the Chase is dirty racing. And, so, and yeah, we film all the races down there. And it's like, actually, you know, like a couple of laps before, you were like driving into him. <laughs> He's just giving it back to him. And, yeah, you're obviously not happy about yeah. it. So, I, it it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the same in any series, I think. Like, um, like even I probably did it to guys in DVS that, you know, came in a year after me or something like that. I, mean, yeah. I came back from the main game and, you know, had a, a lot more experience and we had good speed that year. And then they have guys in their first year in Super 2. And it's like, get out of my way, mate. <laughs> you know, it's just a learning year for them. So, you're like, yeah, just you know, yeah. stay out of my way and you'll, you'll rough them up to uh, play that. And then you got young guys coming in as well that'll give it back and they got speed. And uh, yeah. yeah, you do get conflicts like that. And you haven't seen it in the main game now, like still old ex- experienced guys like, you know, Frosty. Those sorts of guys will get roughed up by like a um, LeBrock or a Hazelwood or a Kostecki or something yeah. like that, and they won't be happy about it. But um, you know, if it was someone else, it was like one of the older guys. You know, they they would have given them more room, or they they wouldn't be whinging about it on the radio or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the supercars first round this year up at Sydney was nuts. Like the amount of you know swerving at each other and yeah. pushing them off track and. Yeah, there are lots we learned um, in that series about racecraft. It's uh, it's yeah. not easy to pass in those cars how they are at the moment. So uh, when you you pass someone, you really do have to send it in those things, and that's why you see so much carnage and so much good yeah. racing as well. Now, 2016, you st- you were uh, supercars Dunlop series, um, but you were also racing. Well, you went out for a couple of races in another car. Um, which you know, bit quite a bit different to the to the Commodores and the Falcons you raced as a Lamborghini Gallardo. How'd you find driving that? Yeah, um, yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, so we did Super Two that series. That was obviously my main campaign, and then um, yeah, Dad uh, acquired the the GD three car, and um, you know he was racing that in the GD series that year, and. Um, yeah, there are a few races where I managed to hop in and, and drive with him or um, there were some races where you can enter and um, there'd be like two drivers and you sort of split the races between them. They had a weird sort of yeah, format that year. Um, 
But that was cool. I got to drive that. I think there. they're still doing that. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. It's 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 bizarre. It's, like, I, I've always I don't been a bit it. of a weird series where it's all like handicapped in the pit stops, and I've never really been a fan. Uh, yeah, yeah, like one of the pro series, and you know when they have the the pro drivers in those cars going head to head, it's like as good, if not better, racing than supercars sometimes. Um, yep. so yeah, not sure about the handicap stuff, and yeah, it was a bit weird. Like, I think we did Phillip Island that year. Eastern Creek and uh, the Grand Prix and yeah, Phillip Island, you'll be behind someone and you'll pit and you're just coming out with a bunch of completely different cars and you're like, who are you guys? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a bit weird. And then you got the balance of performance in those cars as well. And um, that's pretty hard to get right. And um, yeah, whenever someone's car is not fast, they're going to just say, oh, it's balance of performance. And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I think it's pretty hard to tell. Yeah. Sometimes people just want to get the setup right, and they see that in TCR as well. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was completely different car to drive. Obviously, the the aero in those things is insane. I remember racing at Phillip Island, and um, the uh, the Lambo is actually one of the better top speed cars there. I think I was behind one of the Astons, the big V12s, and I pulled out and pulled back in. <laughs> behind it so i was like oh this thing's got grunt and uh you come into turn one and uh i think it was only on green tires you just lift the throttle like six gear you don't even <laughs> get on the brakes and it's like you just tip it in and that thing had a heap of front arrow as well so pretty insane those cars around that track especially that was probably like a, a key one for me um and getting used to the abs and the brakes and um yeah a bit different to the the supercar that's for sure on the uh, weekend at Collie, we were actually watching on the Sunday uh, the sports cars, sports sedans, and TAs running. And uh, Ryan Humphrey had a had his XE Falcon out on track, um, running up against uh, a couple of uh, Audi R8 LMSs, and um, yes, yeah, quicker, quicker than the out. Like wow. you know, you look at me, yeah, yeah, but a lot quicker and just. Oh, insanely. And yeah, like the, for, for looking at them working on the cars, you know, the, the XE Falcon had an issue, uh, a couple of issues, and, you know, he basically pulled apart all the bodywork and, you know, jumped in and you know, it was all mechanical. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the the Audi seemed to go into limp mode or something like that um, off the start line. Sounds like- um, took him two or three laps to get around Collie mode at like the same time it took Ryan to do two or three laps. You know, they got halfway around Collie in this Audi yeah. um, and then they pulled it back in and, you know, the laptops go on it. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, like just insane. So is there that sort of a difference between the supercar? I mean, the supercars um, are obviously pretty, you know, got a lot of technology in them, but, yeah. you know, compared to the Lamborghinis, which one would you say would be more technologically uh, disadvantage by being more complicated? Um, depends on the car, really, I would say. Um, so the that's that, that Lambo is the same car that we've just used in Albany the past two years. So this year I gave myself a bit of an upskill in the, the wiring department. So we, we actually changed the whole car over to MoTeC um, yeah. purely because – it was some Italian ECU and it was that hard to use and we couldn't get into it and had all these dramas with it that, you know, it was just easier to 
swap it over. So uh, to MoTeC, something that we can get into and look into. And, you know, if we've got problems, we can diagnose it. So we did have problems with the car the, the year prior and we couldn't see anything. <laughs> you, you can't talk to it. You can't see anything. And that's just like well, <laughs> start it up and hope for the best. So, um, yeah, it, it depends what car, what level of support you got with those things. Um, they all run different computers and all sorts of complicated stuff. So, yeah, it, it depends. Um, I think like the Audi program that they run, they got a heap of cars. They know those things inside and out. They got support from over in Europe. So I think when it comes to them, it's, you know, I wouldn't say it's, you know, much different from a supercar. Um, yeah, it depends on the team and the support you got. If you got the knowledge there, if people know the car inside out, then yeah, you should be able to resolve any problems really. Um, yeah, I mean, they do use the, the stock engines. Um pretty much in those cars so but they seem to be pretty reliable i think most of the time they're turned down um for the balance of performance so yeah it's um i'd say that's the biggest thing really the team and um yeah what what gear they're running in it so now that we've got motec in the in the lambo we can see everything we can tune it ourselves we can assign whatever we want to do whatever so um yeah it it just depends on that really 2017 um tell us about that year because that's that looks like the year you've you've stepped up big yeah big year big year for me so um yeah we uh we did super two with um with lucas dumbrell in um in 2016 so um had a pretty decent campaign actually had some some bad luck um but yeah, we're in the car of the future car that year. And I think that was, they were still running half the cars were still running the old blueprint uh, spec or whatever they called them back then. Um, and then yeah, the other half of the car of the future cars. So um, yeah, we did all right that year. Big learning year for me again, like street circuits, you got concrete walls, takes a lot of getting used to. Um, yeah. Wanneroo and, you know, open tracks, QR, you come off, you put it in the sand, come out, you know, blow the sand out of it, have another crack here. You, As I learned in the, the first round, if you uh, come out a bit too hot or get a bit loosey-goosey, you uh, rip a few corners off the thing and, um, yeah, you go in pretty hard into a concrete barrier. So, um, yeah, I learned that lesson and, um, yeah, like that was probably the biggest thing for me was the street circuits um, and there's a lot of them in Super 2. Yeah. Um, I think that you had Adelaide, Townsville, um, Homebush or Sydney Olympic Park, which is probably one of my favorite tracks, to be honest. I'm gutted that that was the only time I got to drive on that because um, that track was awesome. Um, and that was that was the last round of that season. We did pretty well there. Um, favorite thing about that track, the last corner, just the way you land off the curb, you run sort of parallel to the wall. And I think bar the first practice uh, on the warm-up lap, uh, coming to start my lap down the straight, you'd knock the mirror off and we ran out of mirrors that weekend. But <laughs> it was just how, how well, like how just, just how the corner was designed. You'd run parallel, you'd scrape the wall and you just do it every lap. And I was loving it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now I do that in Targa and they give me five seconds if I fold the mirror and <laughs> knock a ball out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the opportunity came up with Lucas where he didn't really have a driver and um, we were able to 
fill that seat and um, it was a bit of a controversial, yeah, thing that, that happened at the time. And um, so I did uh, I did a practice session at QR. I think I did two practice sessions uh, in the main game in 2016. Um, and then through that, I because I'd then officially driven in a in a supercar and in, in you know a supercar session, um, then that that grandfather clause sort of kicked in where you know I've already done it. I've had the license that you needed at the time. This is before they brought in the super license, um, which I actually brought it in. You know when I was entering to sort of block me from racing probably. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was I was sixteen at the time. Um, heading into the the main series, which yeah, now even saying sounds weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, we managed to get around that, um, and I th- I think Lucas probably set it up that way because I think there was talks about the whole super license thing, um, and it was great to get some laps in the main game car as well, um, and just work with the engineers and the team and get familiar with that. And obviously I worked with the team that year and shadowed those guys and you know, I was sort of the shit kicker, I guess, at the team. I was cleaning up after all the mechanics and helping them out wherever I could and trying to learn things. Um, I think that's actually a really good thing for young drivers to be oh, doing that. 100%. Like you see some drivers turn up and, you know, and even at yeah, the Wanneroo level, you know, their dad unpacks the car, their dad works on the car, their dad does everything, packs up the car for them, yeah. um, and they just drive it. And it's like that's – And it works. It how. works for some people. Um, I yeah. listened to a podcast with Ricardo recently and he says, yeah, like yeah. don't ask me to change a spark plug. <laughs> I just drive the yeah. thing. <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, I think that does work for some people and I can see that appeal of it of, you know, just let me drive, let me do my thing. Um but yeah, for me, I mean, I love cars. I love learning about them. Yeah. The more I know, the the more I'm in control of, and the more I can, you know, put my two cents in and you know, help diagnose problems. And uh, that's what I'm enjoying at the moment um, with with the, the Lambo and stuff. Working on that and putting upgrades into it. But um, yeah, it was good to hang around the team. See um, Perkat and Heimgartner were the drivers that year, so. You know, I'd be in all the debriefs, listen to them, what they're saying, their feedback, um, you know, what they do coming up to the race, how they prepare for it after, how they debrief, um, all the forms they'd fill out, basically just copy-paste them and, um, yeah, learnt a lot off that. And um, Nick Perkett sort of mentored me that year in in Super 2, so he did teach me a lot. And then you get all their data as well, so... um, most of the rounds you run a different tyre, they'll run a softer tyre, but um, you still get their brake traces and everything like that. And even though you're on a different tyre, the way you approach the corner and the way the car reacts is um, applicable. So um, that was probably the biggest thing for me and um, I'd say it definitely helped a lot that year in, in Super 2. Nick um, Percat, we've had on the, on the podcast before and he seems like a really just laid back kind of guy. I don't know what he's like behind the wheel and on a race day, but he's... Um, yeah, I don't know how he is now. LDM used to get pretty fired up, but um, it's because he's so passionate about it. Like, yeah. the guy just wants to go out there and win and, um, yeah, he's definitely a mega talent of, of a driver. But, um, yeah, outside the car, like, really awesome bloke. Um, 
I stayed with him like a fair bit in Melbourne and um, him and Lucas. So uh, I sort of took me under his wing that year and um, yeah. well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, stayed at his house and yeah, hopped on the sim with him and things like that. So uh, yeah, for me as like 15, 16 year old, it's pretty cool. So uh, was that before before he got his dogs? Uh, he had uh, Doug at the time. He had Doug. He had Doug? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, because there's a, there's this story that goes around about Nick that getting the dogs was what calmed him down and made him more personable outside of the car. Probably, I, I didn't know him before. And yeah, That's no, it's, and of course, yeah, I've only known yeah known of him, and you yeah, only met him after the dogs. But yeah, a few few people have spoken about it. Um, yeah, outside. So yeah. I was just interested to see if that was. I think he set a pretty good example. You know, there were, I think there was, I think it was Darwin. He got really fired up at Wing Cup or something. I think that went a, a bit viral. But, um, you know, besides that, you know, he'd be at the workshop putting on a barbie for the guys and, you know, showed me, you know, how you treat the mechanics and take them out for, you know, they go the high carts and things like that and, you know. It was yeah. good to see that side of it as well, you know, how you approach the race team. You know, these guys are, you know, you expect them to put everything into your car to make sure it sticks together and, you know, do the best job they can. So you got to look after them. You might say some nasty things to them in the heat of the moment of a race. Is- yeah, so you want to be nice to them outside the track so when you blow up on the radio, <laughs> they'll um, give you some more anyway. Yeah, there's a guy here. That's just him at the racetrack. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so supercars, oh. mm-hmm. 2017. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, no, that's all right. No, I thought I, I didn't, I, I realized when you started that we had sort of skipped over the super two part of the, uh, of your career, which is obviously a very big, big, uh, defining in, in where you ended up. Great look. Um, um mad. we had a uh, cash roll on board that year. Awesome. Yeah, um, that was their seventy fifth year. I can't remember. I think maybe um, they did a one. A fan actually designed the livery for Homebush. It was a matte black car and probably the best okay. race car I've driven. I think I loved that thing. And um, the livery for the rest of the year was a Perkins sort of tribute livery, um, which was a fan favorite as well. Okay. I seem to remember there was something special about that year for Castrol. 2017. Was I, that? I think 17 was the year after. I think it was that Castrol 100 on the cut. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, 100 years maybe, the year after. Come on, 100 years. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep, just getting my dates mixed <laughs> up. Just casually 25 years and one year, you know. Yes. Right, <laughs> yeah. Celebrating something and making the car look pretty cool. Um, now, the grandfather clause um, for supercars, are you going to explain that for people that may not have heard of that? Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty much that, you know, I raced in a supercars practice session with the eligible the legitimate license at the time and then because i'd raced in that you can't then change the rules and say oh no you can't race in this anymore um so, so, something like that um so i 
I'm not I'm not sure of the actual rule or something like that, but that's that's what I got told. Because um, yeah. yeah, I think Matt Charter was supposed to be my teammate that year and um yeah, he couldn't he wasn't able to get his license. Um I think that was the only difference that I'd done a supercars practice session or two. Okay. So yeah, I think um, for, yeah, I think there's yeah, there's some rule like that that was established to, you know, keep not be not be able to kick someone out of a series. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough too. You'd hate to sort of get right to the doorstep and then they go, oh, actually. Um, that's, that's what happened to uh, Paul Machado. Yeah. He did the uh, the launch and everything, and um, yeah, then that's enough. Yeah. Not getting your license. So uh, yeah. Bugger. So you st- stuck with Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport into 2017 and up into the main game. Mm-hmm. What was your first outing uh, in the supercars that year? Eclipse uh, 500. Yep. Um, so, yeah. The, How'd you go? I think we just ran last the whole weekend. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was, but you finished, so that's always good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we finished. Um <laughs> Yeah, um, that was just, you know, the goal really. And I guess to go back to sort of the logic of why we chose to do that was um, it was pretty much it cost you about a a little bit more than to do a full season of Super 2 um, with the deal that we had on the table. Um, And you obviously get so much more track time. And I it proved itself when I went back to Super 2 the following year after to guys that I raced in Super 2 in 2016 and I was just, you know, stepped up like a couple of years and this guy's like, well, Gary, Gary Jacobson would be doing Super 2 for, you know, a heap of years and I was his teammate that following year, him and Dean Fiore and, you know, I was on, on part with those guys all year. Um, but, yeah, just the amount of track time you get in supercars, uh, the amount of quality runs, green tyre runs, there's – no way you can get that experience in, in Super 2. And I, I wish they did get more track time because they only do six, seven rounds a year or something like that. It's not really a lot. Um, yeah. I think I saw someone post on Facebook the other day. I think it was Michael Patrizzi maybe. And like yeah, the dollar for lap, what you get for what you pay, I think is better in Formula 2 than it is yeah, Super right. 2. Because it's just for the lack of track time you get. That's crazy. The amount of racing they do. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. And uh, yeah, going back to what I said before, like the the more you do, the more you learn. So the more green tire runs I get, the better I'm going to get at phasing in the tire, the better I'm going to get at warming up, the better I'm going to get at putting a lap together, not making mistakes. Um, Part of it. Part of part of what I do, we work with um, some young drivers and that, and helping them sort of get a bit of a media presence, and you know, knowing not to, you know, slag off a racetrack that you race on all the time, mm. um, you know, or talk badly about officials in, when there's someone with a microphone standing near that sort of stuff. Um, and the biggest thing that a lot of young drivers and their parents don't understand is that supercars is very much pay to play. Yeah. Like there's there's no I don't think there's any paid drive no 
purely paid drivers on the grid. Yeah, and I think this is a bit of a misconception about Super 2. Um, you know, people saw Jake and I and Kurt come into the series at such a young age and then it was all daddy's money, daddy's money, daddy's money, you know. Oh, he's, this old, his old man's loaded and, yeah, my old man didn't come from much. He worked hard and he loves racing yeah. and he didn't have the chance to be able to race supercars. But, you know, I was fortunate enough that he wanted to, you know, help me do that. And if that was, you know, I'm going to work hard so I can hopefully afford to give my son the same opportunities. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to knock the bloke for, for giving me a crack. And um, I don't think <laughs> anyone else should either, to be honest, because I, no. I think they'd do the same thing. But, um yeah, um, that's the harsh reality of the sport. I completely wish it was a different way because the amount of money that you spend to race in those series is is stupid. It's it's insane. And, um, you know, there's some families that, you know, mortgage their house to, you know, give their young bloke a crack or young daughter a crack. And, um, yeah, it's insane how limiting it is. Uh, mm. And it's not something that's, you know, really – talked about that much and you know another misconception is people go oh yeah well like what prize money do you get and like <laughs> you get like 500 bucks sorry to laugh but yep <laughs> you get like 500 yeah. bucks for pole and super two and you know 500 bucks is, is great but not when you're spending like 500 grand plus a, a year yeah. for five six rounds of racing like it's it's insane um you know i i hope there's a better way they can do it um, you know, there's there's multiple ways they can make the cars cheaper to run and and things like that. But um, yeah, it's it, it really is insane the the amount it costs to race these things. And and that's what it came to in the end is you know, Dad was happy to keep backing me, and I just said, mate, like it's not worth it. Like yeah. I can have a crack, and you know, if I want to make a career out of it, um, you know, I can keep going with it. it sort of. Depended where my head was at at the time as well, but um, yeah, it's yeah, not a big fan. <laughs> but you know, yeah. people don't understand that every driver in Super Two is is paying to be there. Make make no mistake about that. No, yeah. no one's in there because you know they look good in a go kart, and that's the harsh reality of it. Um, and the higher you get up the ladder in motorsport, the um, yeah, the the more expensive it costs. I've heard of some insane bidding wars for seats in supercars, you know, where established drivers that, you know, may have helped a team get off the ground have, you know, been put put aside, you know, after five, six rounds of back and forth. Yeah. Bidding for a seat and it's... I'm not going to, you, know, you know, name names or anything like that, but... It, yeah, no, neither will I, but I've, I've heard, main, of, I've, I've heard of, you know... Um, yeah, like around the two million mark or something like that for a main game seat. Yep. Which is yep. that's probably the same same one I've been told about. Yeah. So yeah. It's one of them anyway. Which is insane. Absolutely insane. And you know, in more than one instance, you know, probably. Yeah. Um and obviously I don't know the details, but you know word spreads pretty quickly in the in the pit lane. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean like yeah, obviously for, again, you know, from what we do, yeah, we do a lot of research and get to talk to a lot of people and, um, you know, met the last few years, quite a few drivers and obviously through the podcast as well, there's a lot of off-air discussions that happen that we yeah. we, we press the stop button and, yeah. um, 
you know, continue on. And, you know, I think last year when we had Nick on, um, last year, year before, God, um, we had Nick on and, you know, we asked him about the, the flappy paddles and in the podcast and, you know, he was very passionate about it. Yep. Um, and when we were off air, he was even more passionate about it is how I'll describe it. Um, you know, and but eventually those comments came out anyway, not from us, but you know, from himself, you know, when it was supercars was in the final decision making, you know, it was when he sort of became very vocal about it. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, we heard about this a couple of years ago, but <laughs> you know, like we do anything we we get off air, you know, and until it's made public by the person, we don't say anything. But yeah. you know, it's yeah, crazy the stories we've been told. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um and, you know, we've used those stories when dealing with the young drivers to sort of give them a bit of a reality check, um, you know, especially when they come to us and say, hey, you know, they go, yeah, we want to go race supercars. Cool. How are you, how are you going to afford it? Mm. Or sponsors. Okay, but why are sponsors going to give you money? Because I win all the races. Meh. From, <laughs> yeah. That, and that's, that's, not, <laughs> that's not why sponsors are going to get on board with you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, if you're lucky to find sponsors and personality, yeah. and you know, don't, no yeah. one learns these things. And um, you know, I'm looking for forward to the opportunity. You know, if I can push my son or help another young bloke along the way, yeah. you know, through the things I've learnt. Um, and to be honest, if I was to wind back the clock, I would have had a crack at F1 and moved over to Europe because you're spending about the same sort of money. You may as well just have a crack at you know, F1 and, you know, yeah. shoot for the stars, aim for the moon sort of thing. Like if you don't make it in F1, there's, you know, you can't do a Formula E or Le Mans or something like that, that a lot of those F2 drivers end up doing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, if I, if I was to do it again, that's probably the path I would take. The um, and Probably some people might think this is a bit controversial saying this, but I think that pathway to F, F1, what you, what you do doing that is probably – more relevant worldwide than going through super yeah to V8 supercars 100%, essentially 100% because is you know cause it is marketed on there is nothing else like this in the world yeah. which is a fun selling point but it's not a, a good point if you're looking to do a career in motorsport yeah. outside of Australia so yeah. Yeah, we are just uh, island in the southern hemisphere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that, and that's the other thing we want to say to the young ones again. Like, do you want to do you want to be relevant? Try and be worldwide, or do you want to? A different world. Different you world. Know? Hey, like o- over there, like you know, there you know, you race in Europe and the UK and the US, yeah. and you know, it's all sort of intertwined, and um, yeah, you race all around the place when you go over there, and. Yeah. You're in the scene in, in supercars. You're in the supercar scene. You're not in, yeah. you know, in any of that. So uh, you know, you see guys like the Loves heading over to Europe and through the the Porsche sort of stepping stones and um, yeah, getting good opportunities in Europe and then getting their foot in the door and then heading into you know, GT racing and all that other stuff. You know, once they're in that that Europe scene. Yeah, but uh, yeah, poor supercars. Mm. Um. Anyway, we, we've diverged. Let's get back to you. Let's get back to talking about you. <laughs> we've found this before. You know, like we had um, Mark Sutton, a very well-known F1 photographer on, and yeah. um, 
you know, beforehand we're going, you know, let's try and make this about him. You know, we've got to try and stick to him and his story. And um, but a lot of the time we find, you know, everyone's so intertwined with, yeah, you know, what, what they're known for that you just can't separate. Yeah, you know, yeah. a discussion down I'm the pathway. Like, oh, that's fed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So 2017 main game. Um, Adelaide 500, you know, Eclipse 500, which apparently is coming back at the end of this year. Um, Love to see it. Yep, yep. Um, Percat was yeah very vocal supporter of that. I think a lot of a lot of drivers were. Yep. Um, so did you find stepping up? You got the same sort of you know that the the rubbing of doors and oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, hundred yep. percent. Um, and that's sort of how how it is in the main game. Like it's rough. Like you got to really got to get your elbows out. Um, who who was your biggest bully? Do you want to name and shame him? Biggest bully. <laughs> Man, Who's that? But, funny enough, the person I probably tangled with the most that year was probably Simona. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I was a co-driver the next two years. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say anyone was dirty really. If you asked me in 2017, I would probably have a heap of names to give you. <laughs> but um, now you're reflecting on your own behaviour. <laughs> yeah, no one. Um, no one that really stood out. I mean, the racing's rough. That's how it is. You either, yeah. you know, rough someone up or get roughed up. So, uh, yeah, no, no, no one specific really. Um, what was the biggest thing you learned that year? <sighs> I could not put it down to one thing. Um, not at all. That year, I was just like a sponge the whole year, just trying to learn as much as possible. Um, so yeah, what a lot of people probably don't know as well is that that was supposed to be a two-year deal, right? So it was always supposed to be that the first year was learning and then the second year have a proper crack. Um, so that was my mentality. You know, I didn't come in thinking, oh yeah, I'm I'm the shit. I'm gonna hop in, you know, LDM supercar and win the thing because you know Nick Perkett had some good results in it. Um, you know, it was learning. I knew I'm up against the best in Australia. I knew, you know, the gap between the top guys in Super 2 and the guys in Supercars, and I wasn't even one of the top guys in Super 2. Um, yeah. I was top 10 in Super 2. Um, so, yeah, I knew the amount of learning that I had to do. Um, but, yeah, I could not put it down to one thing. Um, yeah. Like I mentioned before, all the qualifying, that was probably the – biggest thing where I probably struggled the most was qualifying. Um, so tire phasing, um, yeah, forming the tires up, getting them in the window, um, putting a lap together, putting that extra bit of full send, I guess I'd say, into a quality lap and, and knowing, you know, how much extra you can push. Um, those Dunlops are quite unique in the way they work over one lap. Um, and, yeah, you go too early and you will lose – the tires, the two last corners, and there goes three tenths, and you're you know, down five positions. That's how it works in supercars, if not more. Um, so th I'd say that was probably the most technical thing, and the thing that I didn't expect the most was, you know, qualifying and how technical it is, phasing the tires and things like that. Um, you know, you do like one lap at 70%, and then the next lap at 80%, and then the third lap at 100%, and, you know, trying all sorts of different things just to try to get the tire in the window and just to get it working. Um, yeah, I mean, 
you're racing the main series, so you got all the all the TV stuff, all the autograph sessions and things like that. that you know, I was didn't really know what to do with myself. I was just you know having a bowl. <laughs> um, yeah, media commitments, um, a lot longer races. Um, I was pretty fit, so it, it, you know, young bloke, pretty fit. Didn't affect me too much. Um, I had my cool suit fail in Darwin. I nearly passed out from that. That was pretty interesting. Um, the worst place for your cool suit to fail. Um, yeah, yeah. Darwin's Darwin's a little bit warm. Yeah, I had to get a hand out out of the car for that one. Um, but yeah, just it went by so quick. You're just racing every couple of weeks. Green tires are going on the car everywhere. You're making setup changes all the time. Um, yeah, it just flew past really. I was just living in the moment, trying to learn as much as possible, working with the engineers. That was probably the biggest thing, um, communi- learning how to communicate with the engineer and speak the same language as them, go through the data, convey you know, what, convey what you're feeling in the car to them as an engineer for them to go and, and make changes to the car. You need to convey that effectively. Otherwise, if you give them a bump steer, they're going to give you a pump steer back and then you're going to go out with a, a shit box and qualify last. <laughs> and no one wants to do that. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, trying to better my driving at the same time. It, it was it was all happening really. But like I said, it was a learning year and that's what we did. We went out there and had a crack, made mistakes. You learn, you move on. Yep. The uh, That year you ended up in the Bathurst 1000 with – Alex Davison as your co-driver. Yep. How how was the yeah you've you've driven a Bathurst before then, mm-hmm. but how was it going into that Bathurst one thousand event? Yeah, it was a uh, a wet Bathurst one thousand, which made it even more exciting. Um, yep. That was surreal, really surreal. Like the turnout you get at that joint compared to anywhere else, and, and just the racetrack, like it's insane. The camber the elevation it it's it's literally just on another level it's just a massive yeah. step up from any of the other stuff like <laughs> the, the street races are cool like gold coast is cool adelaide's cool um you know and they're pretty big they get a decent turnout you know they're a pretty big event but bathurst is just next level uh the whole town's just packed they do the driver parade through the town and you can't see the road because it's just people just crammed in everywhere like it was insane for me and yeah, I don't think I slept the night before. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was the same goal as the whole year. Go out there, get laps, learn, don't put it in the wall. Um, yeah, and that's what we did. That's what we did. We definitely weren't, you know, super fast or anything like that. But yeah, we were out there with the car we had underneath us and having a crack, learning things and, you know, cutting laps. And uh, yeah, I think we finished... 13th, 12th, or something like that. 15th. 15th, there we go. 15th that year. 15th that year. So that wasn't yeah. too bad. We, we, and then you got a 14th and you got a 13th. Yeah. It's improved every year. Yeah. <laughs> the last one should have been a top 10. I'm pretty miffed about that. Yeah. We'll get to that one a bit later. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so the end of uh, 2017 rolls around. Um, and you mentioned before that that was supposed to be a a two year deal. Mm-hmm. What happened? 
Um, so things fell through sort of around Gold Coast time. So Phil Monday was taken over the team. So it then became 23 Red Racing. Oh, yeah. Um, and he was the main sponsor of, of my car that year and I had a good relationship with him. Um, and, yeah, basically he bought Lucas out, um, started his own team and, you know, got a Mustang on board and things like that. And, you know, it was heading that way that I was going to steer that car and I was thinking, oh, yeah, Mint, like this will be wicked. Um, but, yeah, for I wasn't really involved in the – the contract negotiations or anything like that, but for whatever reason, it, it fell through. And, um, yeah, I was I was out after Gold Coast in that year. So, yeah, right. um, yeah two-year deal wasn't on the cards. So, um, yeah, pretty much ripped up the contract after Gold Coast then and said, all right, well, we're not doing the rest of the year. We'll um, put something together for next year. Yep. So that was pretty last minute. And then, um, yeah, we were lucky to – to scoop up a good seat in Super 2 with, with Matt White. Obviously, I raced for it previously in Super 3. You still managed to um, get a bit of seat time in in uh, Supercars um, with uh, good old Kelly Grove Racing. It was Nissan Motorsport at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did a – yeah, I think it was the end of 2017 – we were, we were assessing all options, so I went over and tested a um, British touring car as well yep. um, over at Brands Hatch, which was an awesome experience. Uh, wicked track, and it was it was good to work with those guys and a um, bit of a different car. Um, yep. It's like a bit mix between a TCR and a and a supercar. Obviously, it's got the sequential and everything. And, and um, yeah, went over there with uh, tested with Powermaxed Racing. Um, a great team to work with, actually, really professional, and um, they're really happy with with how we performed. We it was a two day test, and um, yeah, awesome fun, awesome fun. Um, I can't remember who the driver was. I think it was maybe the factory BMW driver, Jason Plato, at the time. Okay. Yeah, really like well-renowned British touring car driver. And I think it was only like two tenths off of him or something. And uh, yeah, nice. he was going, who's this kid? Like he's fucking. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it was like awesome. Like, um, you know, threw a couple of sets of green tires in the car and um, made a heap of setup changes and, you know, everything worked like really well. So uh, that was a little cool experience. So I thought I'd fit that in. That was sort of off the back of 2017 before we came back and did Super 2. Did you um, ever seriously think about going over there for the British Touring Cars? Or was... Yeah. Yeah, it was um, definitely on the cards. It was pretty close, actually. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I thought oh, stay in Australia and yeah, thought I had unfinished business in supercars. Fair enough. And I guess, I mean, based on what you said before, would you have made a different decision knowing what you know now? And hindsight's always good to have, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, probably, yeah. When I say, like, would I have had a crack at Europe? I mean, yeah, from the start, like, before hopping in the supercar, yeah. that's more what I'm referring to. But, um, yeah, even at that point, probably, yeah. If I was still young enough to go have a crack. 
might be still young enough now. You know? <laughs> still young enough now. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go over. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it got pretty close to you know going over there and, and having a crack. Yeah. But uh, it was a good experience. It's a good experience nevertheless. So 2018, um, back in Super 2s, um, how did you, you go that year? Uh, yeah, so that year, good car under us again. So, um, you know, no disrespect to the guys at LDM, but, you know, we didn't have the fastest car there by any means or the or the newest car. So um, it was was hard at times. And um, that's another thing that, you know, people don't understand. Like the car is 90, 95%. And the driver is that little 5% icing on the cake. And it's those good drivers that put that extra 1% in. That makes all the difference. You know, those guys like SVG, they're that extra 0.5% better than the other drivers. And that's what gets yep. that pole every time by like half a tenth, a tenth, you know, it's like stupid margins, but somehow they always do it. So, um, yeah, back in Super 2 with a good car, um, those Nissans were on fire that year and the following year as well. And, um, so it's probably the most competitive field in Super 2 um, ever, if not for a long time. Um, had Paul Dumbrell in there, Gary Jacobson, Dean Fiore, Steckies, Will Brown, Chris Prither. Um, definitely missing a few. Um yeah, super competitive field. Like that year, if you were in the top five, like you were quick. If you were in the top ten, you were you were still quick. So I think there were a heap of newcomers that year, and they were just like didn't get a top ten the whole year, just because how competitive like the field was, um, which was good. Um, I loved it. But yeah, we were in a good car that year. Um, I was very consistent that year, even if I wasn't the fastest. I was always lurking around the top five or just off the back of the podium. Huh. Yeah, it's, I, I just looked up that year and uh, you know, out of the 15 rounds, 10 of them you're in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, 14 of them you were in the top 12. Yeah. There's only one where you were uh, 19th, which was Adelaide second race. Yeah. And the one that really stands out for me is um, – First race at Wanneroo. Yeah. Pole position, fastest lap, and you finish the race first. Yeah. How'd that feel doing that at home? Yeah, definitely the highlight. Definitely the career highlight. Um, yeah, that's wicked. I was so happy that day. <laughs> um, yeah, that was unreal. And, yeah, it's just like, you know, done a million laps around the place. Everything, yeah. everything just worked. I was happy with the car. Car ran flawlessly, and um, yeah, I think we we're fastest in practice on Friday. At the end of Friday, managed to put it on pole, and I think we we're fourth or fifth, something like that, for the for the other quali. Um, and then yeah, managed to bring it home in the first one. I think we did all right in the second one. I think it was maybe third or something like that. And then uh, fourteen, the last one, there was a bit of oil on the track on the last corner, so. I sent it off the first lap, <laughs> um, which was unfortunate, but uh, yeah, at least I got that win in. 
that was uh it was pretty it's special. Still top ten finish. So yeah, yep. Um, fast forward through 2018, we head to Bathurst. Yep. And um, you got to partner with a driver which had had some unfortunate, well, at least one unfortunate previous co-driver with her. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and, you, you know, you got partnered with Simona Di Silvestro, who I think is an absolutely, um, especially in Australia, she's been very underrated. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, She's really and I awesome. and I think and and I firmly put that on who she was partnered with very for the first couple of Bathurst, yep. um, and that's all I'm going to say about that person on this episode. Um, how did you find Simona? Yeah, she's awesome. We got along so well. <laughs> you probably wouldn't have expected it, but um, we called it. Uh, we got in trouble at one point for political reasons, but we called it the B team, and. Uh, yep. We had the trailer and it was um, Caruso, Dean Fiore, Simona and myself and we just got along like so yeah. well. It was, uh, every race weekend with those guys was an absolute ball. Um, yeah, a lot of laughs had in that trailer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, nah, they were awesome to work with, really awesome to work with. So, yeah, especially Sim, like real professional. Um, she, she before, I mean, for, for people that, who, who don't realize who she is, you know, she's done formula Renault, formula BMW, champ cars, Indy cars, mm-hmm. formula E, um, like you know, like Sauber at one point. Sorry. I think she tested with Sauber at one point F1. Yeah. I, I seem to remember that she did do some testing there. But yeah, like she's she's driven for yeah. There we go. Affiliated driver, two thousand fourteen, for Sauber, um, and yeah, like absolute like she's driven so many different styles of cars, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's just unfortunate how her Australian career started off. Mm. Um, but uh, you know because I. Uh, yeah, definitely back then, um, women were definitely treated as a very much novelty. Um, and yeah, again, her co-driver. But anyway, um, I'm trying not to go down that path again. We do it every few episodes. <laughs> just, just annoys the shit out of me. Um, but yeah, so. It, Given her extensive racing, like were you able to pick her brain and you know, did she teach you some things behind the wheel? Not as much as I should have, I think. Um, we had a, a bit of a different driving style. She was like a left foot breaker and stuff, so there were, you know a few things we did, did different, which is interesting as a co-driver partner when you have a, a different driving style to the the main driver because it might be a setup that suits you, and they like absolutely. I can hate it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, get it out. Like, I can't drive this thing. And I'll be like, oh, feels kind of decent. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, put me in, coach. But, um, nah, it's, uh, yeah, I had, yeah, a few chats to her. You know, what, what was this like? You know, what's in your like? And, you know, she sort of just brushes it off and plays it cool. Uh, that's yeah. sort of a character. But, um, yeah, a lot, lot of fun times. A lot of fun times. And uh, yeah, you did two years as uh, 
co-driver with her. So fourteenth and thirteenth. Mm. Um, yeah, we were. Um, we had very good pace in twenty nineteen. Um, Sim stole it at the last stop, which put us back a couple of places. But yeah, we were on for a top ten there, and I think it was. I think it was that year as well. Um, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 19. It was, it was the year Fabian had the debris thing where he backed everyone up under the safety car. Debris. Yeah. <laughs> Very upset with him for that because that screwed us over big time. We are basically spent – I think I let uh, Scotty Mack pass. Yeah. It was 2019. Being the nice bloke I am, I let him pass. He was in the lead of the race at the time. <laughs> <laughs> there was a blue flag telling me to do so. But, uh, yeah, I did let him through. And about two corners later, there was a safety car. So uh, I was yeah. then a lap down. And at that point, you – I don't know if they've changed the rule. I think they have. Where you can unlap yourself under a safety car. Every other right. series does it except for supercars. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if I was a bit more of a um, – not so much of a gentleman to Scotty Mack. We would have kept that lap. And because <laughs> of all the debris stuff, we pretty much stayed a lap down, like just on the brink, like through every single safety car. Um, yeah. yeah, and then, um, yeah, same amount of stole in the last stop and a couple of cars got us. But, yeah, we're on for a, a, at least 10th that year. That was beyond. But, yeah, we had good pace. And Bathurst co-driving for Nissan was always good. I really gelled with that car. Um and I had a relationship with uh, the engineer, Chris Stuckey from LDM. I'd worked with him then and he was head engineered Percat at the time. Um, so, you know, I had a bit to do with him. And then, um, yeah, he was engineering engineering sim. So, you know, he we got along really well and he both years, um, it, he wasn't engineering the car the next year, but both years, um, the engineer gave me the opportunity to we'd run a bit of a different strategy where we'd split it up a bit. So I would run an extra, I would run like a short stint. Oh, I think Sim would do like a long stint at the start. Yep. And then I would do a double stint. And so the second, the second stint, so I'd, I'd pit, stay in the car and then I'd come out with all the main drivers and both years. It was awesome. The first year I was just following Frosty and just matched him for pace, just followed yeah. up and down the mountain for like 20-something laps for like an, an hour or something, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just matching him for pace. And it was just like, this is sick, you know, you're in a good car, you know, you've been around this place a couple of times now and you're just dancing the thing up and down, followed Mark Winterbottom, um, you know, doing the same times as him. And then the year after, yeah, it was 2019 because I was I was stuck a lap down with Percat actually, of all yeah. people, and um, Nick and I were just having a a battle of the the lap down cars really. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't think he had the best car under him that year because yeah, I think it was like in a bit of pace. But uh, yeah, I was just fanging around with him and uh, we're having a bit of a battle. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, I was really good in that Nissan at Bathurst. And yeah, I was just really comfortable in that car and it was cool being with the main game guys because I was, you know, same pace as them and battling it with them and faster than them in some spots. So, um, yeah, it's, it's times like those, you know, and when you're not in the best car, you sort of doubt yourself sometimes as a driver and then you get a good car on a good day and 
you know, you're steering the thing the same way you always do and you're battling it with these guys and you're like, yeah, not too shabby. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, even in the co-driver practice sessions, I think I was fifth that year. I did a 205 something, 205.3 yeah, well. or 205.5 or something like that. And, um, yeah, I think uh, Geo – yeah, the engineer, I think he, he gave me some good tyres. I don't know if they were green or not, but yeah, he gave me some good tyres and let me have a crack. So, uh, <laughs> I was always thankful for that because, you know, as a co-driver, normally you just get the tyres the that are about to go on the bin. <laughs> you, yeah. you just get like, <laughs> good tyres under you. So that gave yeah, me a chance. Down, and, um, yeah, let me have a proper crack. And you come through the grate and I think on those good tyres, it was the first time I didn't break through there. I, I held like 20% throttle and, you know, you get all that load through the car through there and, yeah. Loved every minute of that lap. So that's that's another one that I hold pretty close to my heart. That was a yeah, cool lap. So 2019, you stepped out of the uh, out of the the supercars. Oh, you still had a couple of races um, with with Cali Racing, I guess towards the end of the season. But um, you stepped out of the big V8s down into a Holden Astra. Two liter turbo. How was the difference between the, the, the back to my roots, back to the house, back to your roots, <laughs> back to the back to the shopping car? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, we opted not to do Super Two that year. Um, you know, give this new TCR series a crack, see how that goes. Um, probably should have done Super Two that year, if I'm honest, because. Um, a heap of those really competitive drivers that I mentioned also happened to not compete that year or they moved yeah, up. Okay. <laughs> um, and then Bryce Fullwood stepped into the Ultima and just absolutely dominated the whole series. So I was just watching that the whole year going, could have been me. <laughs> but um, no, he, did, he did a wicked job. Um, Matt put some good race cars together and runs a quality team. So, um, yeah, they killed it that year. But, yeah, TCR, oh, it was – bit of a mess the whole thing was a bit of a mess to be honest um yeah maybe shouldn't go into it too much but um, <laughs> um yeah cars were really running the best a lot of electrical issues it's sort of similar to what i mentioned before with the gt cars it depends on the level of support yeah. you have so um you know, kelly guys ran an awesome you know pretty good supercars team but um you know they didn't get the full support package from the team that they probably should have. And uh, yep. they probably had to pay for that, which is maybe why they didn't and thought, you know, we can tackle this ourselves, um, which if they understood everything and had all, you know, could get into everything and familiar with it, like hundred percent, you know, the guys are competent enough to do it. But um, it's the same thing I'm talking about, like with the Lambo, like if you don't know the ECU, you can't get in, you, you can't play with stuff. You can't, you can't, you know, figure yeah. so um you know, there was an electrical gremlin in the car and it pretty much didn't get fixed for probably half the time I drove that car. And then when it did get fixed, there was still, you know, other niggles here and there and, and the engine not performing right. And, um, yeah, we were so so down on straight line speed. It, like, was not funny. Um, probably one of the only times where I was, you know, like, I may as well not go out in this thing. It's it's not worth it, <laughs> you know, cause, um, you know, we were down that, that far on pace. So, um, 
yeah, I think they got them running towards the end of the year and they stopped doing that program and probably needed a lot more love than than what was being put into it. Um, but, yeah, there's a, a bunch of different reasons that I sort of won't go into for political reasons. <laughs> but, um, for, for wanting to keep racing in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2019 was the start of the new format at TCR. Yeah, we'll start TCR in general, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they did have, they did sort of have a, yeah, yeah, but yeah, there just wasn't that. Nice. Yeah. We started in two fourteen, but yeah, Australia was two thousand nineteen. So yeah, there just wasn't that knowledge of the cars. So they did have a yeah. guy come in from Germany who like was the engine builder and stuff and the tuner at uh, the third round, and yeah, he fixed sort of most of it. And yeah, we were just like, tell us what you do over there because had no idea what they do with the cars, like. Yeah. What setups you put in them? Nothing. Like just flying completely blind. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. Going back to front wheel drive as well was more difficult than I anticipated. Um, because yeah. I'd been rear wheel drive for, yeah, four or five years. Um, so it was a little bit tricky, but yeah, it was all right. At least I was out there cutting laps. So, uh, but yeah, a bit of a, bit of a foul adventure, I'd call that one. <laughs> The, um, yeah, I, I first saw TCR that year at uh, the Bend. It's the last race of the year, last Shannon's Nationals that year. I think it was in August, September, somewhere around then. September maybe. But, yeah, it was, it was a weird field, you know. Like there was um, Russell Ingle, I think he was racing in that, yeah. in that year and – I was just like, oh, my God, he looks so old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so many familiar names on that that grid from, yeah, watching supercars growing up. And, um, yep. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Obviously, like, it's that, I guess that tradition of supercar drivers going across to TCR has um, kept up. Yeah. Something um, like Chaz Mostert's the current champion. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, Audi run a good program for that, and yeah, sort of probably adds to again what I was saying before. They would have had, you know, they got a good uh, that Audi customer racing um, relationship with the guys yeah. over in Europe. So they would have had all that data, all that support. You know, they would have been able to see everything, and that's right. They um, they run a, a pretty good ship. A 2020, um, obviously, world pretty much shut down because of COVID. Did you actually get any racing in that year anyway? 2020. Probably not, hey. Um, yeah, the the year of the spicy cough. Spicy cough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think I got a – the Targa – the Bunbury event in. Um, okay. I shared um, the old man's Lotus with him for that. Yeah, I think, I don't know how it came about. I think he, yeah, he was racing it down there and, you know, it's not the full-blown Targa West. So he's like, oh, do you want to have a, have a steer? They split the groups up so you can you can go group B, I'll go group A and, you know, you want to give it a crack. And um, that's probably where I fell in love with the, the rally stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can get on, on to more of that with the, the more recent stuff. But, um, yeah, 
that little Lotus is wicked. <laughs> it's like a go-kart, that thing. You can just throw it around and, uh, yeah, seven-speed sequential. It's got 500-something horsepower um, and it doesn't weigh that much. So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool driving that thing. And um, interesting going up against the rally drivers. So they all absolutely hosed me the first run um, yeah. by like five seconds or something. Um yeah, typical race car driver and say, oh, hey, first time driving the car and first time on the track. <laughs> they host me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it was interesting with my circuit background, you know, I can pick the points where the time's to be made. And I was getting, you know, two seconds quicker each time and all those guys were sort of doing the same times, particularly my dad because we were in the same car and, you know, he was like five seconds up the road on me and I was absolutely spewing because he was giving it to me. Um, and then, yeah, by the end of the night, I think the, the second last run, I did the same time as him. And then the, the last run, I went like another three seconds quicker. And he was just like, nah, they, they got the timing wrong, mate. That was me. <laughs> no, mate, you're kidding. You're kidding yourself. But, uh, the beacon from the back of the car to the front of the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it um, yeah, opened my eyes to, you know, that side of it and, and – um, really enjoyed it but yeah got a lot of respect for those guys how they go out first run like you know they do their the study of the track and their reconnaissance and whatnot and they just go out and just full send just yeah. abs- absolute balls to the wall so um yeah even down in albany like the first run even this year still you know they go quicker than me the first run and then i catch up a bit as it goes on but um yeah heap of respect for all the guys that do that and and um yeah, tarmac and gravel rally. So I love it. I'm, I'm pretty hooked on it at the moment. <laughs> so have you, have you been doing some uh, gravel rally? Have you? I would love to do some gravel yeah, rally. Too. I haven't. The uh, old man's been doing some and he's absolutely yeah. loving it, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't look very fast. So <laughs> he's going to get some more seat time, but um, I would love to have a steer. Absolutely yeah. love to. SVG has been doing some. So, uh, He's going all right, I think. He might give Harry Bates a bit of a bit of a run for his money. Yep. But uh, I would love to do some gravel. Have to uh, hit up the McRae's to get you to you know, get him to take you out for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Need to spend some time with Alistair. Yep. <laughs> the um, the the Albany sprints you've um, taken out the last two years down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you been doing any other time tar- like any other target west stuff besides those two? No, um, if anyone would like to sponsor me a Evo or something, I would happily do them. Evo <laughs> 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 isn't quite legal for them. Um, yeah, I would. I'd love to do more of that. That's probably um, what I'm looking at at the moment. Like even this year down at Albany after the first run. Um, I said to my navigator, Josh, I said, this is so much more fun than circuit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like your Bathurst and stuff is really cool. Um, I don't know if it's cooler than that, but um, yeah, rally is like it's such a thrill, such a yeah. thrill. You just go out there and you just send it and, you know, it'd be, it'd be like going out in Bathurst, like practice one, lap one, and trying to do the, like the top 10 shootout. Like it's just mad. <laughs> and there's no runoff there's no concrete barriers nothing you know you put it off you're in a tree like yeah it's insane it's 
it's awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, you just send it. It's it's a completely different world. Like circuit, you know, you go and then you get to the end of the weekend and you're looking for tents and you've got everything, you know, down to the tenth. And you know, there's a bit here, there's a bit there. You know, small tweaks to the car. And here, it's just send it, send it, and you'll make a couple seconds, which is a lot of time. Um, so yeah, I sort of got hooked on it the first year. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, well, probably because the the hill climb part of the event, um, along Middleton beach, you do the same course four or five times in a row. And that's where I can sort of pull the, the circuit racing card out a bit and go, okay, I can improve here. I can improve here. Um, and yeah, the last two years, the last run, I think I've pulled out, you know, three, four seconds, which is a lot for a one minute, 20 stage. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's probably why I've done so well in that event. And, um, yeah, obviously the car is, is very capable being a, an XGD3 car. So, um, yeah, we were crazy enough to <laughs> enter it in the event. And, um, yeah, after dad raced it in 2016, it didn't really do much and, you know, he's too busy with work to go race it in GD3 and it's a 2014 car so it's well out of date compared to the new GD3 cars and probably not competitive um so yeah thought why not get it try get it running enter it in this event and uh we only just made it last year still with some issues um if if you were there you would have seen I was restarting the car a hundred times to try get it every like 80th time you'd start it, it would idle normally and not give you a whack throttle percentage, which then also stopped you from downshifting because it was holding throttle on. So uh, we were restarting the car. Like the the starter motor was not happy that weekend, <laughs> not happy at all. And then uh, when it did start, we tried to, you know, keep it on so we didn't lose it. And then it got hot because it's a GD3 car and it didn't have any fans. So we had like the leaf blowers in there and <laughs> everyone was just like, what, what the hell? Um, so yeah, this year we converted it to MoTeC, got rid of that issue, put some thermo fans in it. Um, so yeah, it's a bit more Targa friendly, <laughs> but um, yeah, awesome car, awesome event. Um, yeah. The, the hill climb runs pretty special. I love it. Like both years I get to the top and I'm just absolutely buzzing. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just anytime you can hop in a car like that for it to be on rails on a cool track and to be able to push to the absolute limit is, yeah, it doesn't get much better. No. So, um, yeah, that's why I've fallen in love with it a little bit. And, uh, obviously the winning side helps as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like, even when I was in the Lotus and, I was fifth or something outright for the event. I was just having an absolute ball. And I was like, yeah, how can I do more of these? And then, yeah, Albany came around and, um, yeah, rest is, uh, rest is history. But, um, yeah, awesome car, awesome event. Guys at Tiger West do a wicked job. So, uh, yeah, the, that car's going to get a bit crazier pretty soon. We're, um, planning to put some, some twin turbos on it. So, uh, yeah, wow. It's going to be pretty insane with that, with that sort of power. So um, that's, um, I guess I'll just move ahead to the next topic. What's, what's next? If you, <laughs> if you actually move into that, 
Um, I was just going to say, if you're going to put twin turbos on it, you're going to do some time attack, crazy time attack stuff. So I'm pretty sure it'll be eligible for time attack. Yep. Pretty sure it'll do the lap record at Bathurst, yeah, which wow. is what I've sort of got planned for it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that besides the F1 car, that doesn't count. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that Brabham did a one minute 58 and the, the GD3 cars at the moment, they're doing one minute 59s, I think, or two minute flats in qualifying. Um, I think unrestricted Chris Mees did a 159 in one of the R8s, so like a high 158 on good track conditions. And yeah, that Brabham did a one a low 158, I think. So with a thousand horsepower, so I think you'll you'll definitely beat that. Um, if I will think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, now um, yeah, coming away from you know racing full time and supercars and all that. Um, you know, Dad's still got a couple of race cars in the stable, and you know, I was like. Oh, what do we do this? You know, what do we do that? And, you know, he's just as crazy as I am. He goes, yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, now we've gone MoTeC with it. If, um, yeah, we're getting ready to put some, some snails on it. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I just want to have fun now at this point. Um, so yeah, if, if we can turn that thing into a bit of a beast, do some time attack, do some more, rally stuff with it um yeah Bathurst lap record would be insane like if we can make some good like video content and stuff out of that you know with a crazy car like that you could you can get some sponsors on board with that and you know we can go close off a mountain or something and do a mad run you know like mad mike and those guys sort of do with their cars and they drift up it you know we can even take it over europe they got some crazy hill climbs over there so um yeah. I might I might know a media company that might uh, want to get on board. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of where my head's at at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, I've always had an interest in like media and marketing and those sorts of things, and obviously it had a relevancy with all the sponsorship stuff. Um, so I'm actually I've been putting together a bit of a video from Albany today. Um, but yeah, now it's, um, you know, not full-time supercars is drop the, uh, professionalism a little bit, I'd <laughs> say, or, um, even like how Dan Ricardo has done for F1, you know, he's just being himself and just being funny, yeah. and, you know, you see an F1 driver, like say the things he says, like 10 years ago, like nah. viral. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if you watch Drive to Survive on Netflix, but, um, yeah. I the, watched the latest one, like the, the third series, I was a bit... Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get into this one. It was a bit too yeah, too dramatic. Uh, yeah, and generalized. Yeah. It was that kind of a season. They didn't need to. Yeah, but yeah, I think the opening, the opening, uh, one of the opening scenes is Ricardo saying, "Netflix are a bunch of c words." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like, and like, it's good that Netflix has the editing rights. Because so yeah. Formula One has no say, or the teams have no say on what they put yeah. in, don't. Which I think is a good thing. Besides the, you know, the fake radios and all that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, they need to need to cut that. Like the first season was wicked. Yeah, like, yeah. The first, one, the first one was probably the best. Yeah, 
the second one I think was all right too. Um, yeah, it was such a good year. They, they didn't really need to edit it. But, yeah, anyway. Um, Is that because Hamilton didn't win? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> You're in good company here. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I was rooting for Max, so I was a, uh, I was a happy man that night. It was, oh, it was such a wicked race. Like, yeah. at the end, I was like, both guys deserve to win it. Like, yeah, it, it, it was a wicked race. Yeah, I think we've discussed it so many times and, you know, it calls were going both ways and mm. strategy was coming into play and, you know, it was just, it was just, yeah, and then obviously, you know, you've got, and the thing is we don't know what it used to be like for Bernie, um, not Bernie, um, uh, Max, uh, um, Charlie Whiting, you know, mm. we don't know what it used to be like for him. You know, did he used to have the radios in his ear from the yeah. teams direct? You know, did he have that or not? And, but my understanding is that Charlie always had an offsider who filtered things. Yeah. Whereas um, Michael Massey didn't have that. Yep. So it was direct to Michael Massey. Mm. Um, you know, and obviously Charlie had been around for a lot longer as well. You know, so it's, you know, like, yeah, I don't really have a problem with like them talking to race control. Like it's pretty normal. Like in supercars, I don't think they do it by yeah uh, voice. I think they they do it by like a LAN chat sort of thing. Yeah, um, like it's normal for the teams to talk to the race director, but to carry on the way they did, like that yeah. was so out of line. Like from, from both from both sides, really. Yeah, and exactly. The for them to broadcast that as well, I think that's yeah, yeah. They don't really do that. And again, it's very selectively broadcast as well. Th- that's why it was made. That's why it was such a big deal as well, is because all that was broadcast. Yeah, it's like normally you keep that behind closed doors, and you know, like the officials do what they got to do. Yeah. They don't need they don't need any more pressure than what they already got. No, definitely um, not. And I worked with Massey in supercars, and I thought he did an awesome job. And especially when he came into F one, I think I think he did an awesome job too. He's always you know, let them race, let them race, you know. Yep. If he can get away without giving someone a penalty and, you know, making it fair, um, you know, there's a bit of hustle and bustle, you know, he'll let it go and, and let him race on. So I thought he was always good like that. And I think it was Leclerc and Hamilton at Monza. I think that's the one I'm referring to where they were, going, they were both going off at the chicanes and everything, yeah. you know, play on play on so um i think that's probably what he was trying to do at yeah. Derby and um whether it's the right or wrong call you never know but that's that's the call yep absolutely and it was to my knowledge it was within the rules to do so you know the they were very uh they were written very ambiguously i'll say um mm. where he can sort of do whatever he wants um which is probably the actual issue rather than what he did because it was obviously illegal. Um, otherwise, they would have reversed it. But yeah. yeah, I think it pretty much said, you know, under safety car, the race director calls the shots. Um, bit of a weird one. Bit of a weird one. Yeah, and you know, if they had have finished on the safety car, then he probably would have got reading from both sides about, you know, not yeah, exactly. letting him race. And yeah, damn it, it, it damn sucks. Damn. It absolutely sucks. Like, just, 
but it's always I think the yeah it should always be you know let them race should yeah which is what Massey stands for so um you know whether he interpreted that rule wrong or not I don't know it's it's up to him really like at the end of the day (laughs) absolutely as as long as it's consistent if you always let them race if that's how those are then that's how it is so have you got any pre-race or race day superstitions um just to bring the conversation back to you (laughs) (laughs) i hate being serious on a race day or before i get in the car you know there's some people that sit still and you know um once i buckled in yeah like i you know sort of do a bit of visualization and you know g myself up but beforehand like just like as cruisy like laid back as possible um yeah, like you can get so worked up in the car and like it's easy to lock a brake or something if you're too on edge and, you know, you freak out too much. It's, you know, for me it was always about staying real calm and I, I thought compared to a lot of other drivers, I was always very calm um, in and out of the car. So <laughs> superstitions, not so much really. No, nah, not really. Anything crazy? <laughs> we've we've had toilet stalls, socks. We've had oh, um, Albany, the past two years. We play. I play Frank Sinatra as a alarm clock. Play New yeah. York every morning with uh, everyone in the chalet, which yeah. uh, they, they all hated the first day. <laughs> and the last day, though, this is a really nice way to wake up. <laughs> Better than some random bizarre. That's my Albany superstition. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, in supercars and all that, not uh, not really, no. Yeah. Nothing, nothing crazy. Now, if you if you could have uh, anyone as a co-driver or you know, working on your car or yeah, you know, racing with you, um, yeah, giving you tips and guidance and yeah, you know, whatever you know, any any driver from any era, um, dead alive, um, you know no matter what sort of motorsport, mm. who, who would you want to have in your co-driver oh, seat man. helping you? Oh, man. Um, we only get one. Everyone tries and pick two, but I want one, just one. Yeah. That is a hard one. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Senna. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a bit of a Senna fan. Senna and Ricky Bobby. No one's ever said Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Ricky, Ricky Bobby is what I'm aiming to be like at the moment. Um, okay. I don't show. Maybe you, maybe you should go race, racing saloon cars locally. <laughs> yeah, mate. You, yeah, you get your elbow, yep. Get, get your livery, yep. Yeah. No, we're really, um, yeah, if you saw us down at Albany, we're just there to have a good time and yeah. – you would have seen us all looking like absolute squeezers. <laughs> yep, that's saloon cars for you. <laughs> we're just having fun. I was on the news with like stupid glasses and the yellow oh hat. God. Uh, Josh, my co-driver, was like in the background of the news with a fedora and yep. like crazy party glasses. And, you know, 
I feel bad for people who rocked up to Albany, like trying to be a real professional and <laughs> getting beat by us, just <laughs> having the time of our lives, looking like squeezers. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just like that. that it, like Albany was wicked because of the result and how the car ran, and you know, but it was just as good, you know, going down with mates and just having yeah. an absolute ball. Um, that was half the fun of it last year, and that was half the fun of it this year. So, um, that's the cool thing about now not racing for like a professional team and you know, running the show yourselves and you know all the late nights spent together with the boys and you know I wired a, a lot of that car myself so I got a lot of satisfaction being like oh yeah I did that and you know, I calibrated this and it all worked and hung hung together <laughs> which was uh, surprising um, considering I gave myself a wiring upskill about. Uh, three weeks beforehand on the, the University of Google. Um, so probably maybe like a James Hunt, maybe you know, the original party boy of motorsport. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, when I was young, I was, you know, trying to be professional and you know, yeah. keep the sponsors happy and this and that. And no, now I'm just out there to be myself and um, you know, have fun and, yeah, we're just out there having a bowl and just doing our thing. Okay. Nice way to uh, to avoid the answer, but you know we'll we'll take that as a <laughs> Ed Center or Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll uh, we'll go with Center. We'll go with Center. Go to Center. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, that guy was just built different. Yeah. Yep. Um. So besides your dad, um, he's obviously been a massive help with getting you out racing, as I think a lot of um. Yeah, family is with getting people out and racing. Um, have you got any people that you you know want to give the give some love to before oh, we wrap up? Too many to name. Too many to name. Too yeah. many to name. Um, yeah, uh, I don't want to start naming people because if I miss someone out, yeah, okay, fair enough. They're going to be really gutted. But um, say everyone, yeah, everyone. I've mentioned, mentioned a few of them already, but. Um, yeah, I mean, people in motorsport, especially in WA, sort of know the people that are around me and know that they've helped me. So, um, yeah, got a got and always have had, you know, good crew around me and people to guide me through. Um, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. No, I, won't name, uh, I won't name anyone specifically. Fair but no, fair people people, people cool. know. People yep. know and, and they know who they are. Yeah, fair call, fair call. Alrighty, well, we're an hour 45 into our episode, which um, we haven't done one this long for a very long time. Really? So, yeah, no, ask we, I normally we, go for. We usually, we usually cap it about the hour mark. Um, yeah. I think our longest episode is two and a half hours, which was with um, Mark Sutton for the yeah. F1 photographer. Um, but, yeah, usually about an hour we, we cap the episodes at. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's been it's been a great little chat. Yeah, for um, sure. I don't think we've missed anything. I think I think we've covered covered uh, everything, Alex. Alex I've always got something to say and an opinion on something. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we covered most of it on on, on me. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, you're saying before we got chatted, chat, um, got the episode underway that you got a podcast coming. Yeah, yeah, do so. Uh, after everyone's finished. Binging every single episode of your podcast. If you're uh, willing to check mine out, um, yeah, hopefully 
uh, yeah, should be yeah recording the first one this week. Um, yeah, should uh, be guest based podcast. I think. Yeah. Um, Jake Kostecki's will be in town, so uh, hopefully have him on. It should be uh, a bit of a laugh. We uh, get along like a house on fire, so uh, be interesting and uh, yeah, I guess. I know all the stuff behind the scenes about him, so I'm going to ask <laughs> all the right questions. But, um, yeah, um, something else I'd like, love to do for – wanted to do for a, a long time. So, uh, yeah, kicking it off and uh, hoping for the best. Yep. Yeah. Buddy Kostecki's, their email bounces back all the time. So, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, if you want to get them on. Sorry? I can hook you up if you – yeah, to get- yeah they actually sponsor um the Kostecki family actually sponsor Chase Hoy. Chase, yeah. So um yeah, but we've I sort of um I I leave Facebook. I know I reached out to you via Facebook, um but I try and leave Facebook to the last possible thing because I think there's something. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about contacting people through Facebook that I normally just yeah. Weird. I normally most of the ones on Facebook because I'm not really active on that page that yeah. much. And because it, it doesn't work either, I think. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, had to be well, how do I reach out to him without, uh, <laughs> everyone goes, yeah, like, we'll give us, like, we'll hook you up. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, I kind of want to, you know, not use up all my favors for the, the podcast. So we'll use those for, <laughs> we'll use those for other things. <laughs> the bigger names. <laughs> No, it's, it's funny, you know, like the you say bigger yeah, names. You know, like when <laughs> when we contacted um to get Brad Jones on, yeah, um, I was expecting a no, to be honest. Like, you yeah. know, um, based on you know he's a bit older, um, yeah. podcasts aren't you know, really a thing that team owners usually do. Yeah, um, and yeah, we got back the reply saying, "Yep, no worries." Um, you only got him for an hour, uh, half an hour. We were told, "Yeah, half an hour." Yeah, wow. Um, and I think we ended up doing just over an hour with him. Oh, nice. Um, and we actually stopped the podcast because I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to upset the PR lady." You know, <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> she sees the episodes like went on for more than half an hour. Yeah, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of the guys in the supercars paddock are yeah, pretty good. They're pretty good yeah. guys when you get down to it and um i think just podcasts are an awesome opportunity to you know put your two cents out there and um yeah get people to you know know what you're about you know you get yeah. to expect, you know, yourself a bit and it's funny like you know you've said tonight in the chat that um you know you not many people probably knew that that was supposed to be a two-year deal mm. um and yeah, we've, like, we've, we've, like, had, a, we've had a lot of people come on and go, oh, yeah, like, yeah, no one knows this, but. Yeah, you know, we got the platform to do it. And, yeah. like, you're, uh, you're um, yeah, saying what you want to say, so you may as well, um, you know, put your side of the story out there. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? So yeah, it's good that, you know, you're giving people that platform to be able to put their side of the story out. Yeah, and look, you know, we obviously go from you know our grassroots local races in WA, and you know through to you know yourself, Nick Perkat, Molly yep. Taylor, um, you know, Dean Harridge. Oh, yeah. yeah, Molly was Molly was a great episode. Um, yeah, you know, I think yeah, I was, she was really cool to work with. In um, she was at Kelly's in the Subaru yeah. at the same time I was. You, you actually, that's all right because you did a something at the bend with her as a rally. Oh yeah, that rally thing. Rally, was, yeah, the rally thing. You that was yeah. that looked pretty cool. 
that was funny. Yeah, I think she was saying it didn't have good tyres on it or something like that. But yeah. yeah, we were just fanging it. I think it was uh, Nathan Morkham, uh, Andre Heimgartner, and Will Brown. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, again, we were just taking the piss and just absolutely sending this poor Subaru. It had rained, so it was all like muddy as well. Yeah. And there was this corner coming down the hill. I think they put it, I think they actually put it up. And I've just sent it. I'm like in the grass off the track sideways, tipping the thing in. <laughs> and I was still like, I was still, I think I was the slowest. I must have slowed myself down out there in the mud. But uh, yeah, it's funny. We we're on the horn. I think Will Brown threw his like co driver notes out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a ball with those guys. But uh, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, I, I actually watched that today. I had a bit of a laugh at it because it's just like, yeah, this is cool. And that's the sort of stuff like you're saying, you know, like the fun stuff. Yeah. You know, that I think, um, yeah, more drivers should do. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, they should get the more more opportunities to be able to show their personality and. Yeah. I've been looking at it recently and I think, um, I don't know if you follow motocross that much, but um, the Lawrence's. They are like absolutely killing it, and how like they portray themselves, and yeah, right. how they've come up. And same thing, I think they're um, like good mates with Ricardo now. Um, but yeah, they're just themselves, and yeah, you know, they're there to have fun, and you know that's what people can relate to. Like yeah. if you're being yourself, and you know you're you know being silly, cracking jokes, and this and that. Like that's what people do in their normal lives. So yeah, that's right. Otherwise, you know they're like suit and tie professional <laughs> well, we, we actually did a little thing with chase we we he was wasn't racing in collie one week uh one race mate and i said right you're coming down we're going to check give you a microphone you're going to go interview the other saloon car drivers yeah, yeah. so here's this 17 year old you know 10 foot something kid yeah he's good he's, he's huge isn't he yeah yeah um you know and he's going around and you know asking you know, we didn't we didn't G him up on any questions. I think maybe one question just to get him underway. Yeah. Um, but then the rest of the time, you know, he, he was just going up and you know, went up to Grant Johnson and he was like, Hey Grant, you know, why are you so fast? You know, give me some tips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um went yeah. up to another driver and was like, you know, are oh, you growing your beard just to be like such and such, you know? And yeah, and it was just we did this whole thing. He went out to Brock Foley and asked him if he knew where the steward's office was. Um <laughs> You know, which that, that was my thing that I G'd him up for. I was like, you got to go ask Brock if he knows where the steward's office is. <laughs> um, you know, we got a fantastic response out of Brock and he was just like, he goes, no, you know, we here at Bowley Racing are very clean races. We've never <laughs> been to the steward's office, so you'll have to ask yeah. someone else. Yeah. And then uh, the end of that whole sequence, we actually went to the steward's. Oh, and, no. again, this is something you don't ever see. You know, we went into the steward's office with the camera, yeah. with the microphone and chasing tow. And, you know, so, um, do you know, do you know the bollies? You know, have they ever been up here before? <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, they all look at each other really nervously and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They know where we are. Well, they've been up here a few times. <laughs> so, you know, and, and the, you know, the, that just showed a different side of racing you don't see, you know, with – yeah. Yep. Yeah, all the other interviews we do, everyone's very serious and yeah, you know, and then yeah, there's this this seventeen year old kid, yeah, yeah, stirring up all the established races and yeah, yeah. and getting the stewards on board. So yeah. yeah, 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 that's the thing. Like the um personalities is what gets people like attached to the sports. Like 
the end of the day, like some of the AFL, um, NBA, NFL, like the faces, the the faces of the franchise, like yeah, people buy, you know the the merchandise for the <laughs> for the players, yeah, like the old Avi Bengals shirt. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just just you know because we're not a video podcast, so you know we just thought we'd explain that one. <laughs> okay. My bad. My bad. Um, yeah, like that's what people are there to follow, and that during my time in the main game, that's what I wish they did a bit more. Is like give me a bit more of a platform to yeah. be able to show my personality and to be able to get people to be fans of me or get them into the sport, and especially uh, at that age, and even now, like you don't see, and you've seen it with going back to Netflix to the F one effect, like. Um, Austin's sold out now and all the celebrities are there and everyone mm. and you've got this younger demographic coming through now that, you know. Which they've been missing for so long. Yeah, which I thought was dying, you know. Yeah. It was it was very rare for me to see people my age that were fans of the sport I was competing in. Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was, you know, wicked when, you know, blokes are, you know, teenagers and, you know, early 20s and stuff coming up to me and going, oh, bro, this is sick. Like, but, you know, it's, very like few and far between in contrast to the amount of people, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties that are attending supercar races. Yeah. And it's the same for F1 as well. Um, I think the, the Fox deal probably had a bit to do with that, taking it off, um, you know, free to air, yeah. which that had its benefits as well. Don't get me wrong for the teams and, and um, you know, I, I won't say it was a bad deal, but it definitely took, know the general viewership the people who aren't into the sport out of it yeah um so if you're out of the loop you're really out of the loop whereas the people who are into the sport i think it was couldn't have been better the broadcast got a lot better so much I mean, better. you had to so pay for better. it <laughs> the broad, yeah the broadcast was so much better and you know if you're into the sport you get you know every session yeah you, wicked broadcast and, you know, and now on, it's you know like ko sports um yeah, KO Sports. You can send me some money for this plug. Um, <laughs> yeah, like they they've got the multi view set up, which you know you'd always hear on the broadcast from the Sky Team. You know, press yeah. the red button, and you know <laughs> you never used to get that. You know, yeah. Fox, Foxtel. I mean, it's KO Sports is Foxtel, but Foxtel mm. did the whole red button thing for a little while with it. Um, yeah. But it was never as good as what KO Sports has done with it. Um, yeah. You know, obviously it's an offshoot of Fox Sports anyway, but. Yeah. Um, Are you talking about the red button as in um, like race you can view see and yeah, yeah, you can see the data and all that sort of stuff and yeah, yeah, it's good with F one especially. I think yeah. they do it pretty well with the onboards and stuff. Yeah, whereas you know before, you know, when it was on free to wear, um, you know, and and I've I've met Greg Rust and chatted with him and stuff and you know the but the presentation of the F one was was crap. You know, you'd have him talking over, you know, some footage, um, talking about irrelevant crap about what was going on with something yeah. else. You know, him and Jonesy, Alan Jones talking about irrelevant crap. Yeah. Where all you wanted to get is get back to the racing and listen to the racing. Yeah. You know, after a stupid ad break, just as someone's about to overtake someone, let's go to an ad break, you know. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a good move to get off free to wear, but if they had of – being able to time the free-to-air breaks a bit better somehow, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Yep. But anyway. Yeah, it's 
pretty interesting. And the F1 have got that. I don't think you can use it in Australia because of KO, but they got like the F1 TV and things like They've that. They've just pulled it because um, we used to have an affiliation with F1 TV through behind the sport website. Yep. Um, and they've just pulled the affiliation office because yeah, they're not offering um, anything to do with F1 TV in Australia anymore. Yeah, okay. So the only thing you can get is timing and that's it. Yep. You used to be able to get like a cut-down version of F1 TV, but that's all gone now. Yeah. So Because you get all like the radios and yeah. and everything, hey? Yeah. So it's a shame, but – and they've renewed the Foxtel deal, so – Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, Foxtel will do something decent with it. Oh, well, their numbers will be up, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, even um, – when was it? Like, a week or two ago, I was um, out having drinks with friends, and I was chatting to these girls, like, they're yeah, early 20s, yep. and they're like, they're fans of F1. And I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, no. I watched like the Netflix series and now like I follow it and but they like watch the races and everything now. And like I was watching, I was literally watching Quali yeah. <laughs> at, uh, at the bar or we I was watching Quali with my mate and they're all like watching with us. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, normally like no one, no one cares. Like, yeah. you know, if like the supercars comes up in, you know, conversation with someone or not so much these days, but. Back in the day when I was racing supercars, you know, get chatting or whatever to the hairdresser or yeah. whatever, you know, you'd have to go, oh, like, you know, Craig Lowndes, like, no. Those guys, all right, don't worry, I'll stop there. <laughs> Just no idea. But, yeah, now, like, yeah, it's pretty awesome to see, like, people my age are now interested in it. And, like, even my mates who, you know, aren't ref heads by any means. And now, you know, at least when you see them, like, they'll know, like, bits and bobs. Yeah. Like, oh, like, uh, like the race last year, like, everyone was watching that. Yeah. But, yeah, it's pretty cool to see what they've done with that. Yeah. Um, even, yeah, Australian Grand Prix sold out now, both yeah. days. both days. Hasn't ever been sold out, I think, they said. Not so quick. Um, they, 2019, I was over there and it was sold out, but it was, like, last minute sold out it wasn't yeah you know okay. well in advance yep um sold out so yeah i think even though we had trouble he was trying to try to get grandstand tickets because i only made the decision a few weeks i think before the or a month before the grand prix to go over yep. um so it was pretty tight to get tickets but there were still tickets um yep. and even on the day there was still a couple of tickets left um on the thursday friday Yep. And then Saturday got harder and Sunday there was definitely nothing. But, yeah, yeah right. it's just ne- it's never sold out, you know, yeah. so Friday, Saturday, Sunday in advance. Yeah, okay. So, yep. yeah. Um, Pretty cool to see, though. It's good good for the sport. Yeah, um, yeah. And and that, spe- yeah. Speaking of the Australian Grand Prix, Daniel Ricciardo is actually uh, – sorry, <clears throat> wrong person uh, – Oscar Piastri is actually on the next Australian Grand Prix podcast. Is he? Yes. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's – when's that getting released? Um, I think it's out now. 
Yeah, he's yeah. uh he's looking pretty good. So yeah. He's, Hopefully uh, he'll be able to get some sponsorship money behind him and get into a seat. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, he's sort of in that. It's probably good that he didn't do F two again. Yeah. Because I mean, once he gone and won it, why do it again? And you know, all you can do is go backwards or win yeah. it again. Right. Potentially lose it and then be like, ooh. Yeah, at the cost of you know, a couple million bucks. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Or you can land a reserve driver gig and I think they're it's pretty cool how involved they are like even you saw it with uh, Albon last year with the yeah. Red Bulls how involved he was in like the sim and testing new parts on the sim and this and that um, yeah, I think Max talked about it a couple of times how important that was yeah to their success last year wow. good season so far yeah yeah very much enjoying it sucks to be a Merck fan <laughs> Sucks to suck, I say. <laughs> it's it's interesting, like going back to what you said earlier about the, you know, the car's ninety percent thing, you know, yeah. unless you're a, unless you're yeah. a Merck fan, um, and then yeah. Lewis is ninety percent, and the car's only ten percent. No, um, it's all, uh, engines aren't fair, but when yeah. Alonso with Colin is car a GP two engine, it, it was, <laughs> you know, but yeah, the fact that you know you've got. Um, yeah, George Russell still being able to put that car up higher, um, yeah. you know, just shows it. it's it's so that yeah, Lewis has obviously got to get used to the new car, and yeah, but yeah, they're definitely off the pace. Um, yeah, but it's good to see, you know, like the you know, first round, you know, the close racing and lots of overtaking and um, yeah. and lots of following as well, which has always been the yeah the criticism of the last few years is. You can't follow an F1 car. Yeah, it looks a lot better. A lot better. Yeah, I think Huss, Huss, no. Uh, yeah, Huss. Yeah, no, Alpine. It was Alpine or Huss released a video. Um, and basically, it was like titled, um, Will the Racing Be Closer This Year or something like that? And it shows their drivers like, you know, drafting each other around the whole track and, you know, yeah, right. overtaking each other and battling, you know, for their positions. So, yeah, yeah. it just sort of shows that it's definitely there. Um, yeah. And, yeah, hopefully the rest of the year will be just as exciting. And um, I, yeah. I get – I'm lucky I get invited down to watch the F1 at the um, at Crown Casino in their little box. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're going to be down there in May for um, Monaco. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you get seated in the in the race chairs for that night and watch it. And well, the, the atmosphere at that last race was amazing. Like it was packed out, and yeah, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of Hamilton fans, a lot of Max fans, a lot yeah. of non-Hamilton fans, um, a lot of non-Max fans. You know, so it was yeah, um, yeah it was just crazy atmosphere. So um, yeah, you know, during those close races there, like the atmosphere at the casino in that sports bar is amazing. So. Yep. Um, yeah, might have to uh, might have to get you to come down one time and soak it up and yeah. enjoy it. Bring a couple of mates with you and check it out. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I've been to a, where did I go? There? I think I went there for like a World Cup soccer match. Yeah, and you get all like the Argentinians and everything come out and it goes off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. They let the bands play and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great, great little venue, little venue, big venue, that one. But, yeah, even yeah. for motorsport. I know the manager there, he's um, he's an absolute F1 nut. So, um, yeah. hence why the box gets booked out for some of the key F1 events. And, yeah, so, anyway. All right, we better wrap it up. Um we could probably sit here dribbling shit for another 50 minutes. <laughs> I tend to be good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, get me going as well. So, um, But, yeah, look, lovely to chat. Um, yeah. Make sure you keep us up to date with what you're up to. Um, send over your podcast link once you got it up and running and, yeah, we'll, sure. uh, we'll smash it out. I need a hand set that up. <laughs> but, yeah, mate, we, we spent the last two years – working on a like a system to get it running um yeah. like perfect well almost perfectly uh, and what we're running on now is fantastic um yeah and it's all cloud-based it's all um yeah like I'll, I'll shoot you some links to what we set up and yeah if you ever want to pop in the office and have a look happy to show you because it's you know at the end of the day the more motorsport stuff that's out there the better um, yeah. We definitely don't take the view of uh, he's going to be competition, you know, or anything like that because, you know, the more people talking about motorsport, the better. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. It's, yeah. it's crazy. So, yeah. So, yeah. Do you know do you or do you do, do you do some of them in person as well? We do do some of them in person, um, but with COVID um, and just trying to, we got it, we got a little bit of flack with some of the videos we did last year. Um, from people going, eh, you're not socially distanced. and um, But we actually were like a metre yeah. and a half away from each other. But the camera angles made it look like we were a lot closer. Yeah. So, okay. um, Can't wait to get – I haven't had like – I used to get Heath out, like hate comments and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Punters having a crack on speed cafe. Yeah, look, I, can't, all, all I can't all wait to get some of my podcasts. All, I'm just all I was like, well, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Like, it's great to know people are watching, you know. I'll just give it back. But yeah, like video ones just became like the, the amount of time you spend doing video editing for the yeah. podcast and it becomes a lot. So that's why we switch back to voice. Um, yeah. Because a lot of people just listen to it as they're driving to work and driving back. Um, and we just yep. got a lot better traction. Um, but, yep. yeah, like in-person stuff, you know, we've got a setup for that. Um, we do a – we've just started up a little show called Because We Love Motorsport, um, and it's just like reviewing, you know, the news. Oh, with Sean? Yeah, Sean McCabe, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so like we've just started that one, and, yeah, that's just dribbling shit about what's been happening in motorsport, um, you know, without any interviews in it for half an hour. Uh, we do that in person, so, we, you know, we've got the setup for that. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, like, the, the setup we do for our podcast. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, happy to show you. Just give us a yell and, you know, bring you in the office and show you through it all. And yes, yeah, sure. Appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners are probably going, well, you guys just shut up and end the episode. So, <laughs> on that note, thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you uh, jump over to behindthesport.net. Um We'd obviously have a few links up across to Alex's stuff once he uh, gets up and running. And, um, yeah, obviously you can check, find Alex on social media, on Facebook, even though he's not active. He's still probably got some more new relevant stuff up than a lot of other drivers. So um, Instagram is the active one for me yeah, these okay. days. What's your handle on uh, Instagram? Uh, it's Alex Rulo 62 
Uh, I think it's that on on my social media. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll chuck a link to it anyway in the um, episode posting up on Behind the Sport. And yeah, everyone can check you out and um, follow along with your adventures coming up. Too easy. All right. That is episode 45, heading to the big 5 0. Who is it going to be? We'll find out. Um, Thanks again, Alex. And we'll catch everyone next time. No worries. Cheers. Shane here from Behind the Sport. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you don't already follow us, head on over to Facebook and Instagram, find us on there, give us a follow, or visit our website behindthesport.net, catch up with the latest motorsport news, find all of our previous episodes, and of course you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and more. Thanks for listening, we'll catch you next time.